This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. You know, I'm going to lie to you folks. Okay. I lie to you, folks. I lie to you, Jacob, You lie to me quite a but bit. But the folks, the folks I never <laughs> lie to. Sometimes it can be hard to do shows in the offseason. Sometimes yeah. it's like the Sahara Desert when it comes to content and things just dry right up. Well, f- is that true folks, today? Is that true today? That is the furthest thing from true today. <laughs> and that's what's the best about the offseason is you'll kind of be moseying along the desert trying to find some water. And then, boom, the oasis appears. You just fall right into this massive waterfall, fresh water with fish everywhere. And you can eat and drink and be merry. And that's exactly what we got today here on these episodes of the Steelers Standard. Brian Flores is a Pittsburgh Steeler. Kevin Colbert spoke to the media. So much to sink our teeth into on both of those fronts. But on this episode, we are going to start with Brian Flores, your new senior defensive assistant coach slash linebackers coach. Boy, I'm sure he was licking his chops when they said you have the opportunity to not only have a massive influence in this defense, but you can coach T.J. Watt on a day-to-day basis as well. I don't know if there's a single defensive minded coach in the NFL who wouldn't jump on the opportunity to work with TJ Watt. He's Brian Flores, the defense player of the year. And I think that that is a massive selling point where you're got a place to land. And let's start with the title because I just feel like it's a little bit of a downgrade for what Flores is, Mm. or maybe downgrades the wrong word. He's a little overqualified for that position. Oh, well, yeah, I, I would that's think. for sure. The head guy coach, is a head coach. The guy's former a head defensive coach. coordinating Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. I mean, he's definitely got the pedal to not drop below defensive coordinator, but clearly Brian Flores was okay with dropping below defensive coordinator or else he wouldn't have signed the paper that got him the job. So I know there's a lot of people out there, wow, he's a little overqualified. It's a little bit of a scratcher that he would take this kind of a position. I agree with you, but only those thoughts should only last about five seconds when you realize it's not like Flores was forced to take the job. He he knew the position he was being offered, and he himself said, yes, I would like to work with Tomlin and your staff. I think knowing who Tomlin is as well, a defensive leading or leaning kind of head coach, why wouldn't you want to work with that kind of guy? I mean, you've seen the relationship Tomlin has had with his coaching staff, such as Keith Butler and Dick LeBeau and Jerry O with the linebackers, someone I'm sure Flores is going to have a lot of conversations with moving forward. Why would you not want to have coaching staff? It's, I, I hate to sound cliche here. The Steelers set a standard when it comes to the 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 expectations they, they set their coaching staff. And I'm sure coming from Miami where it was a nightmare scenario for him to have to coach because he's a good coach and he wasn't allowed to be that good coach in Miami. This is a total 180 flip for him. Total 180 flip. You know, maybe it's just a, I wanted to find a play in the NFL. I wanted to make sure I find myself with an NFL job. You know, mm-hmm. we all know the lawsuit that's happening. There's probably some word that he wouldn't find himself another job in the league. So maybe there's an element of that where he's just like, I'll take whatever's being offered just so I can find myself a nice landing spot and continue to establish my career in the NFL. I don't know the reasonings behind him deciding to take that uh, linebacking coach job. But I think it's also important to remember that that senior defensive assistant is also tacked on the front there. 
So it's not just like he's going to be out there coaching the linebackers. No, he'll have, a, he'll have a big yeah, say of game what plan, this defense looks like. Uh, he can go to the safe some thoughts if he has thoughts. He can talk to Cam if he wants to. He can go to Tomlin and Austin and say he's seeing the, like that senior defensive assistant title really elevates him above just a normal position coach. Absolutely. And how could you not, as a Steeler fan, be excited for this? You lose your your defensive coordinator for the last, what, eight years or so, almost nine years, mm-hmm. that, that Keith Butler was here since Dick LeBeau uh, had to leave the organization in 2013. You're not kind of used to having this coaching purgatory that you're in, and when Tara Lawson was promoted, a lot of Steeler fans were upset because of – it was an inside hire, and I'm using air quotes here because he was only on the team for, what, two years yeah. on before he was given this promotion? So, yeah, he was with the team, but he's not a long-term guy like Jerry O or Carl Dunbar, someone who was with the team for far longer. And Terrell Austin was given this opportunity, but so many people in this organization, or so many fans of this organization were saying, oh, well, here's the typical Steelers just promoting from within. Well... There you go. Yeah, they really took a and a blowtorch both to that narrative with Mm -hmm. this hire because it was you don't hire anything outside and where's the big name? Where's the big name? Could you could you get a bigger name? Get a bigger name? I don't think so. I don't think I don't think there was a bigger name out there. Even all the pop offensive coordinators didn't hold a candle to former back to back winning season having head coach Brian Flores. Right Uh, now, what's what any when any sport fan loves to do is. And their team acquires a new piece, whether it's in the coaching staff or the players, you research the hell out of this guy, right? You you want to learn everything there is to know about him. And in the, what, now almost 72 hours since that coaching hire was was announced on Saturday afternoon, it, it seems that the entire city of Pittsburgh grew up with Brian Flores, <laughs> it seems like, just because of how much we've been talking about him. But as you pointed out, Tom, the only time the team went back-to-back seasons with a winning record in two decades. And he was being paid to not do it. Allegedly. He was allegedly sure. being paid. According to him, he was being paid to not do it. By the way, we'll get into this in an NFL segment, but there's some humblings that I think Florio tossed this out there. Gamblers who legally gambled on the 2019 Uh-oh. could file lawsuits against wow. the team because of, you know, that's incredibly uh was it a competitive imbalance or whatever you call it like you bet money legally on this team and there you go you find out later they were being paid to potentially lose games it's a big big no no but i digress from that yeah he's was in a very tough situation in miami i mean the 2019 team allegedly being paid to tank but that roster in itself was not up enough. They traded Minka Fitzpatrick in the first couple weeks of the season, you their know best player on defense. What's crazy about that 2019 season is they finished 6-10. and 10. The thing That's is like, two games under 500. That's the, not a bad year. When the Steelers beat them on Monday Night Football and the zeros happened and Mason beat it easily and that was really the, the you play can that, tell. that traded it, mm-hmm. that's when everybody kind of got on the, they're tanking this season. Like They're not trying to win. Ryan Clark, I think, put his name on. This isn't safe. Like this, the roster and the way that they're playing is not safe for the players out there from Miami. And then Flores rallies and wins six wins, and they go six and ten, and they win a couple in a row. And all of a sudden, Fitzpatrick gets that Fitz magic going. And like, okay, things are looking a little up. We kind of ruined our shot at Joe Burrow, but Tua's still sitting there. So he takes his quarterback, and he has some growing pains, but he still scratches and claws his way to a ten and six record with Tua as a rookie and Fitzpatrick spelling him every once in a while. 
And then last year he gets his team to nine and eight after starting what was it one and one seven? And seven? Yeah. I mean he's got to figure out the start of the season and how to get out of the gate faster. But that guy that knows how to make his team better as the sure. year goes on, he would have been dangerous in the playoffs, I think, because the Dolphins seem to have always been playing their best football at the very end of the year. He was dangerous in Miami. How dangerous is he going to be in Pittsburgh? That's what I hope we see, that these linebackers and this defense just improves week after week after week. And then all of a sudden, instead of what has kind of been the MO for the Steelers of recent years, not so much this year as they went, I think, in two down the stretch, but mm. instead of collapsing down the stretch defensively, giving up a lot of points, giving up 40 points in like three straight playoff games, they have. maybe Flores has them rounding more into shape come week 16, week 17. Maybe they start really hitting their stride at the end of the year and all of the you know, sample size from earlier in the year, Flores is able to take in and with Austin and Tomlin, develop plans to continue to get better with the personnel he has. So everything about what Flores' track record says gives me a lot of optimism for mm -hmm. him. And I know people who are cynical will be like, well, what is a position coach have to do with anything like why when do you have you heard a position coach ever get the credit like this i don't remember the last time a position coach has had this prominent of a name before usually the position coach gets hired to be the oc and then he goes on to be the head coach yeah it's, it's rare it's that like a head sean coach, mcveigh becoming yeah. the rams head coach kyle shanahan becoming the niners head coach it last you know when the one that comes to mind mike munchak former head coach sure. of the titans drops off to offensive line coach for the steelers not just in pittsburgh but around the league like probably the best position coach that the entire league has because he's just a wizard with that Steelers offense. Kind of the same vein with Flores, where normally I agree, position coaches very important, but they never get the credit and they'll never get the recognition unless your name is Ryan Flores, unless your name is Mike Munchak, and you have to of course produce once you become the position coach. But if Flores can start to get the linebackers, especially on the inside. And help that defense kind of gel together more and, and be a little bit more on their P's and Q's. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that he'll be getting a lot of credit, not just around town, but around the, the country as a part of that. I don't want to say turnaround for the Steelers defense, but stabilizing of the Steelers defense. I think that's a better word. And maybe just, okay, you said stabilizing, but you, you I, I don't think turnaround is the right word either because this team. Turnaround is not the right word because they're team, still good this defense. This team still is a top 10 pass defense team. They're obviously the number one pass rush team in the NFL. It's just improving certain parts. And, you know, he was given the designation of a linebacker coach. And I think two people that can benefit hugely from this, other than being given the opportunity to work with T.J. Watt, are Alex Highsmith and Devin Bush. Well, that's the one that I'm really, really honed in on, is his ability to work with Devin Bush. And as much as it's probably, you know, exciting to work with TJ Watt. There's probably some stuff weighing on him when it comes to Devin Bush. You know, he's got it. If the defense is going to come together, he's got to get the most out of number 55. And it's probably the best coach that number 55's had in his couple years as far as the position coach is concerned here in Pittsburgh. And I'm not trying to disparage the coach that came before Flores. I'm just saying Flores' resume speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. And as a defensive guy, he is one of the best in the league. So when you really need that renaissance from Devin Bush, I think it's awesome that you have a guy like Brian Flores trying to spearhead that kind of renaissance. And I hope to God that he can at least try to get some of that rookie year magic back from Devin Bush. Because like I just said five seconds ago, 
the whole defense just works together so much better if 55's in the middle, making plays, sideline to sideline, tracking down running backs who get through the defensive line, covering tight ends and slot wide receivers, maybe forcing an interception or two, forcing a fumble, getting a couple mm-hmm. sacks. Like, if he can kind of put himself all over the box score kind of maniac with a Hayward up front, a Watt blitzing on the outside, and Minka in the back end. I, the defense just at every single level does not have a weakness, and that's what you're hoping out of Devin Bush. Will that hope become a reality is obviously something that is weighing on a lot of Steelers Nation right now, but at least you got a guy like Flores who you have confidence in to get the most out of a young a young man who's trying to rehab himself back to that rookie year form and better. Yeah, I, I do think that I'm with you in the same boat. I'm not trying to to mar the names of anyone who has tried to help Bush in his NFL career so far. But as we talk about having pedigree coming in, Brian Flores has the most pedigree of any coaching staff that, other than Mike Tomlin, that Devin Bush has worked with uh, since he joined the NFL uh, now three years ago. So, or I guess moving on to his fourth year in, in, the, in the pro league. So, I do think the person that stands to gain the most from this acquisition of Brian Flores or addition to the coaching staff has to be yeah, Devin Bush. It has to be Devin Bush. And we all hope that Devin Bush is the one that gets the most out of the acquisition from Brian Flores. Um, if that happens, of course, that's another thing to ponder all offseason. And we don't know until we actually see Devin Bush get back out there and, and play one or come the preseason, see how he's looking. But yeah, I have a little bit more optimism actually about Devin Bush sure. because of Flores, and I know How that's, could you not? some people might think that that's a little ridiculous, but I don't. I really just think that this guy is a top of the line coach that the Steelers brought in, and as far as the narrative of there's too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to the defense, Terrell Austin's your DC, Tomlin's pretty much the DC as well, and now you have Flores who is a senior defense assistant, but that basically means he's also going to be basically a defensive coordinator mm-hmm. and I don't agree with that too many cooks in the kitchen notion because if you have too many cooks that are you me and another guy cooking together some Denver omelets it's not going to be as good <laughs> as if it's Dem- Emily Gossi and Mario Batali and Alden Brown in there whipping up some some stuff you know what I mean like sure if the cooks are good cooks I want as many of them cooking as possible if they're bad cooks, I agree. It could be bad to have too many bad this, opinions in the room. This doesn't feel at all that it feels like there's going to be Flores and Tama could have like an ego battle. At well, all. I would really hope that they would have established that they have a good relationship before sure. making a hire like that. But also, you know, I just think that when you have really smart people in a room, it's not a bad thing to get as many ideas floating around as possible. It's whenever you have just average people where they're all kind of butting in on each other that you run into some problems. And I got to be honest with you. Maybe that's kind of what was happening with Austin, Tomlin, and Butler. You know, Butler was a little bit past his career, obviously retired. Uh, and there was just a kind of a who's going to take the reins kind of thing going on here when it came to the defense. And I think it kind of fell back on Tomlin more than anybody. And it might be good for Flores to come in and mm-hmm. kind of take away some of that responsibility from Tomlin. I, I'm not saying that Tomlin will ever step away completely from helping out with the defense and uh, – putting his ace, but maybe it's lessened a little bit if he has more trust in Flores to kind of be that guy where Austin calls this and Flores jumps in and sentences, no, I don't like that. Let's try something else, as opposed to Tomlin having to be that guy. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think 
it never hurts when you bring in someone who has been there, done that before, and has never shown a sign of, well, I have to have it my way. It's got to be this way or no way. And we we see from Brian Flores that he's capable of leading the unit and clearly capable of working well with others. You don't just run around from a 1-7 and seven start and finish 9-8 and eight for no reason. Yeah, no, you... you... Not only are a good coach, but you can keep the you locker room. You can adapt. Room. And you can keep the locker room. Sure. I think that's the biggest part. When you when you start out slow in the NFL, uh, I think millionaires have a tendency to check out a lot faster than maybe some college kids that you can rah-rah up and, and keep them focused and say, oh, you're, you're playing for your future here. Like, NFL players are like... <laughs> We're already at our future, but boy, we're we're millionaires. We don't need mm-hmm. to we don't need to really concern ourselves. But the really good coaches can start one even, keep them interested, and have them rally. And not only that, Tom it's not the players, it's his coaching staff that he had in Miami with it. Tomlin has that same tendency, you know. They started what was it? Was it one and four the year that Ben went out or, or one, it was, one and three? It was it was oh three and then one, one and four. four. And, and then, then this they, year wasn't it one and four. And then they rally. And, and he's able to keep guys bought in. So I think Flores shares that quality with Tomlin, and I think that's a reason why you feel comfortable bringing him in is that this is a guy that's going to keep guys focused for an entire eight-week mm-hmm. season, no matter what the record is, no matter what the win or losing streak has come to. We're going to go into the facility on day or t- Tuesday after a game, hit the reset button, and be ready to play for the very next weekend, our very next game. So I think he fits personality-wise with the coaching staff immensely. I don't know why they would hire him if that wasn't the case. And, I, I, again, I just think, like Tomlin said, his track record for developing talent in the NFL on the defensive side speaks for itself. And although there's a lot of talent developed already, Watt, Hart, and Minka, there's talent that needs developed. Devin Bush, Alex Highsmith, even a Joe Schobert to an extent. So How about the younger cornerbacks? Trey Norwood, Trey Norwood Nicola Witherspoon, uh, Cam Sutton. Look up front, Loudermilk, yeah. Buddy Johnson right. as the inside. So. As much as they have established stars, they have just as many guys that, that need a lot more grooming. And I think Flores is a great guy to at least give the first shot at that groom. Well, it's not the first shot, but at least give a, a new shot at grooming those guys. A fresh breath. Yeah, a fresh breath of it. I, I agree. And let's not forget, as, as you mentioned earlier in that 2019 season, he had a future all-pro player in Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, sure, Minka Fitzpatrick, claim that all pro designation when he was with the Steelers, but he was well on his way. The Steelers don't just give up a first round pick for Joe Schmo off the streets. Yeah. They knew who the Miami Dolphins had in in Mika Fitzpatrick. And you don't know if Mika Fitzpatrick is Mika Fitzpatrick without his first rookie year under Brian Flores. I mentioned how Brian Flores will definitely have a ton of input when it comes to the defense. One thing I'm interested in and kind of hoping for is maybe he gives a little bit of input on the head coaching stuff too. Maybe he's up in the booth during games, there's a little eye in the sky, buzzes down, hey Mike, you might not want to challenge that, doesn't look like he got his feet in, or hey Mike, I'd think about burning a timeout here if we get the... Maybe help with a little bit of the hatching aspects. Now, I don't know if Tomlin would turn any of that over, yeah. and I'm not saying Tomlin should turn any of that over because when you have a gold jacket already basically on your shoulders and on your finger and another AFC championship ring on your other finger, I don't think you really have to do anything, <laughs> to be honest with you. But I'd be interested to see if he maybe says, you know what, there's some there's some blind spots I have in my head coaching, and it might be easier to, to bring in another one of those skilled cooks to help this meal for me. Maybe, you know, 
My clock management, uh, it's good and it's bad. It's it's not really consistent. Maybe Flores can inject some in, some consistency to it as someone who for the past two years has been a success, I would say it, a successful head coach in the NFL. Yes. Even though his overall record, I think, was below 500 just because of that first year that But it's like by a game, right? Yeah, it's like, like by one game. So he is without a doubt at the aspect of being a head coach in the NFL. And, and it's clear that he's not going to be remembered as a loser coach for the Dolphins. No, everybody He's going think, to be remembered as turning around all three seasons. No, I, in fact, the general vibe I get from Miami and people around the league is it's still, what the heck were they doing? Like, why Letting did him they go. fire this guy? If you you bring up, you at least bring him back for another year, and if you stutter around at 8, 9, or 7, and 10 again, then you can fire him. But, like, three years as a coach, two of them, one with wins, one with nine wins, right as the eight seed in both years, you're you're literally knocking on the door as the last team in, or last team out, and you, you just if the owner, I would still extend that guy one more. I would I would See, call him in and I'd be like, we Brian, don't know because what's his name is is an insane and is sure. an insane person and potentially paying money to lose and games. It, and could potentially be fired right. Like, he is literally removed from considering his position as investigating the owner. him as far as the allegations Flores said about paying for losses. So, so well, I don't know if if you're that owner, but if you're any other owner, I, you you bring that guy. Back. I mean, I remember last year, at, or rather at the end of the 2020, 2020 season when uh, uh, Anthony Lynn was fired from the Chargers. The Chargers. And we were all scratching our heads saying, how did you do that? You have a rookie quarterback who just won Offensive Rookie of the Year. You were one game under 500. You were right at the cusp. This doesn't even, or that Anthony Lynn firing doesn't hold a candle to the shock factor that the league felt when the news was broken that Brian Flores would not be returning as the Miami Dolphins head coach. You look at Anthony Lynn. I'm glad you like, brought that you, up. You, you brought up. We, we we talked about every other head coach that was fired. Uh, Nagy in in Chicago. Urban Meyer earlier in the year in in Jacksonville. These coaches just did a bad job. Their teams were not good. This was the one thing that did not look like the others. It was a drastically different looking team. And I think what the difference with Nagy too was like Nagy had them in the playoffs. A couple times, one mm-hmm. by being actually good, and then one kind of by a fluke and being the seed. And then there was the drop off afterwards. And you move on from Trubisky, and you kind of botched this thing by starting Dalton at the beginning of the year. And so you started up high as Nagy, and then you fell off. Flores building slowly, sure. like you want them to. You want them to have well, you want to astronomically shoot into the playoffs immediately if you had it your way. But a slow build is the best way to go about it, and necessarily super slow. I mean season's there to, to kind of instill confidence in your guys, but if if everybody came back in Miami this year, Flores, uh, two is healthy, and they, they get some more key pieces in free agency in the draft, they'd be a team that I would think would make the playoffs next year. I'd be one of my teams that I'd pick to make the playoffs that missed it in the year prior. If I, they had Flores as the head yeah, coach. Yeah, and they had, you know, an appropriate offseason as far as addressing mm-hmm. needs are concerned, but it was the team was very close. Technically, the team is still very close. It's just a matter of, is this new head coach going to be worth anything? The guy from San Francisco. And is they're going to get anything out of Tua? Is Tua the guy? I mean, there's still big question marks there. And now you have a completely new system that you have to learn on top of that. Right. And what? Are, how serious are, are they going to take this season as well? Right. Are they going to look at this or is the owner? Are the players going to be that they got, right. got canned? That's right. a great point. You know, you talked about Anthony Lynn, and it's just funny to see how— this is kind of a weird 
spot for Flores to land. Fired from the Chargers, immediately became the offensive coordinator for the Lions. Big-time job. And then left Detroit. This should become, in 2022, the assistant head coach for the San Francisco 49ers. So, like, those are the jobs that you expect old head coaches to kind of mm-hmm. land in. Not a not position, the coach. position coach in the secondary defense. That's why I, I, I firmly believe, and I have no way to prove this, confirm this, but I firmly discussions in the interviews with Flores from Tomlin. We'll give you these positions in name only. You're basically a, nef- a secondary mm-hmm. defense coordinator. You're basically a, a, a secondary head coach out there for us. I agree with you completely. Before we wrap up, I think a lot of the people's initial reaction to the news was was delight, was was excitement. Right? Oh, yeah, mine was. Well, first it was kind of like disbelief because right. I didn't think he I, was going to get hired I, anywhere. I forget who said this the other day, but someone was saying, I wasn't drinking anything, but maybe I was. It was Chris Carter was on with Wes, Wes Euler, and Chris said, yeah, it was a Saturday. I wasn't drinking, but maybe I was. Like, was I, am I really reading that correctly? Brian Flores on the Seagulls head coaching staff. And a lot of things that that Pittsburgh fans have on Twitter and that, that Pittsburgh media have addressed via Twitter because of the fans' reactions is the the the, the hot ticket item or the hot ticket uh, story floating around there is could this be Tomlin's replacement? This is the one guy Coach that you bring waiting. in who has, as you mentioned, head coaching pedigree, head coaching experience. First time since what? Since uh, it was... Uh, Todd Haley. Todd Haley, thank you. But I think a lot of people are more excited about this hire and, and take this guy a lot more seriously. Because Todd Haley wasn't that head coach. No, he was not. Brian In Flores, Kansas City, he really struggled. Brian Flores wasn't great, but he was trending upwards. Haley was washed out, and that's why he had the fifty role, like a lot of washed out former head coaches do. This guy's not washed out. In fact... If the Steelers have success defensively in the next couple years, sneak a couple playoff spots in there with a new quarterback, and it's a look at the defense that they get in, he'll probably be looked at as a head coaching candidate right. very soon again. Thing, the only thing holding it back is maybe the lawsuit as far as the team sure, bringing him in. But I'm in. I'm in. Because an owner in, might in look Pittsburgh. at an owner, even though he's not Stephen Ross, might look at him rolling on Stephen Ross and get a little cold feet and be like, "Is he going to roll on me if things don't go well?" Well, a lot of. What a lot of people have brought up is that when you sue the NFL, you're essentially suing all, the all 32 NFL teams. Do you want to be that guy? I mean, clearly the, the Rooney family and Kevin Colbert were happy with that. And that's a great spot to land here, Jacob, to the episode. The Steelers walk the walk. And that's why you got to be so proud to be a, fran- uh, a fan of, of this, this franchise. franchise. Yeah. You know, they didn't have to bring in Flores. They could have decided sure. the talent's not worth the headache, but Rooney... Tomlin, Colbert, they all said, this is a very skilled head coach. Mm-hmm. This is a very skilled coach in general. He is kind of getting, not blackballed, but he's not getting the jobs that he deserves because of this lawsuit and how he feels he's been treated. We're not going to be an organization that buys into that. Mm-hmm. We don't have a head coaching gig to offer him. We really don't even have a defensive coordinator gig to offer him because we have a guy in Austin that we really wanted. But you know what we do? have? We have a big-time assistant role on the defense and a position coach for him. And we're not just going to sit back and because the other 31 teams are kind of floating around in purgatory when it comes with this guy, we're not going to just join them and miss out adding talent to our coaching staff. They went out. They did it. He's a good coach. He's now in the black and gold. And the organization that implemented the Rooney role 
follows it more than anybody the way it should be followed because mm -hmm. a lot of teams just use it as a way to you know check a box to make sure they're they're doing things the right way before they hire they actually want to mm -hmm. know the, the Rooney rule is used in Pittsburgh the way that it is in two I think you see examples of that time and time again Brian Flores just being the latest one sure and and I love being a part of the franchise yeah absolutely Nothing's more annoying than when someone talks the talk but doesn't follow it with the walk, and the Steelers walk the walk more than anybody. I love it. And so often, this team recently has struggled, right? There was a B thing, there was a Le'Veon Bell thing, and people started to doubt the Steelers. Yeah. How could you let a player like Antonio Brown go? How could you let a player like Le'Veon Bell go? How are you not preparing for the, for the post-Ben era? And look at how everything has unfolded after all those. Now, the, uh, the post-Ben era thing is still up in question, but the Antonio Brown fallout, the Le'Veon Bell fallout, and now with Brian Flores' fallout in Miami, it doesn't matter. It, the Steelers just continue, and I hate to sound cheesy here, but they continue to set the standard in terms of how your franchise should be run from top to bottom. The standard is the standard, Jacob. Yeah. They don't, Crazy. They don't just say it for their health. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Offerman. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. We're dropping a couple more episodes today, too, so make sure you keep an ear and we'll talk to you all next time.